Since we were here in the 50s and then in the 60s, things have changed. I was asking Joe Ulrich a moment ago, I said, don't you all still have street cars? It seems to me I've seen one since I've been here. And he said, yes, they've just put them in. And uh, I thought, well, that's the first city I've been to in a long time where they had street cars. The last I can remember was in Bucharest. They had street cars, and it took me back to my boyhood and childhood when we had street cars in our town of Charlotte, North Carolina. But many things have changed since we were here. And those of us that are senior citizens can really see a change in Portland. Things that you younger people take for granted. We were born before television, before frozen foods, before antibiotics, before nylons, before Xerox, before credit cards. For us, time sharing meant togetherness, not computers. And software wasn't even a word. We were before pantyhose and drip-dry clothes, before ice makers and dishwashers, Cheerios, instant coffee, decaffeinated anything, and, Mac and McDonald's had never been heard of. All right, uh, it, it's really a do-over. A mulligan is a do-over. You, you did something bad, you did something wrong, you just had a bad shot or may maybe hit the tree or went too far. Mine's usually not going too far. <laughs> but you would say, I'll take a mulligan. It means I want to do over. I want to try that one again. And so usually you just put the ball back in the same place and you hit it again. That's a mulligan. And sometimes in life, we wish we could have a, a mulligan. Man, I wish I could do that over again. I wish I could go back in history and do something different in my life. And it's through God. God gives you a second chance in life. Online is a terrible thing to waste. You cannot define yourself in reference to other external coordinates. You must define yourself internally with your relationship with a higher entity. Stop it! Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Mind Matters. I'm Richard Beatty, coming to you from our Sound Century studios in the Sangre de Cristos in Westcliff, Colorado. Rita Schulte is on the line from Virginia and from North Carolina at one of the most iconic evangelistic legacies in history, Will Graham. We started off with a classic sermon from Billy Graham about how times are changing. Rita Schulte, you spent a bit of time with Will on a retreat. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we love going up to the Cove. Uh, for those that don't know what the Cove is, it's Billy Graham's uh, retreat center up in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful place. I think it's like 12,000 acres, and you can have 
spiritual time there. Uh, they do all kinds of different options for that time alone, time with the spiritual director. But the best thing they have is they have conferences and they can last from five days to just a couple days a weekend. And they have every great teacher out there that will come. Uh, so we listen to, uh, we're going actually in October to listen to Kay and David Arthur. Oh, great. And we've been, yeah, we've been on several of them. And they also have concerts. So we heard Matthew West, Laura Story. And so this one was Will, and he was teaching on First Samuel. And so we wanted to go up and hear that. And so actually, my best friend, um, her son, used to work at the Cove and with Will and with Samaritan's Purse. Mm. And so Brian was friends with Will and my friend Donna always, you know, was mentioning that to me and blah, blah, blah. So when we, when we got up there, you know, Will was around. And so I went up there and of course I played that card <laughs> to yeah. you know, see if he'd do the show. Right, right. Uh, God bless him. Uh, he was very gracious and agreed to, to do so. And uh, we had a little bump in the road the last time, but we're getting him today. So, I'm yeah. super excited to have him on. Yeah, just going through the whole legacy of the Graham family and, of course, with Billy Graham and uh, his his great legacy. And also, you just see the, the message of, uh, of evangelism and that that is a constant, uh, not, uh, not just for the family, but reaching out to people. Um, there's the old Dennis Swanberg, the, the uh, Christian comedian, who, who talked about um, sitting on in the rocking chairs at the cove uh, and talking to uh, to Billy Graham and he and, and uh, uh, Dennis who uh, is uh, is is really ADHD uh, asked Billy Graham the question he says uh, he it wasn't even a question it was just a statement it was uh, he he said you know at the at Cracker Barrel they have lots of rocking chairs. <laughs> And so, so Billy Graham says, "Well, there's too many people at uh, at at Cracker Barrel." <laughs> in, in that voice, you know. This, <laughs> I love that story. Yeah. yeah, and then the chapel. We went to the chapel, and then you get the history there, and of course, the pictures uh, that they have all through there. Yeah, it was like Billy Graham crusade. Crusade. Now they That's call what it was. something different, but. They, yeah, yeah, they were called crusades, so, but but be, but that's not politically correct because of the crusades. <laughs> yeah, well, we probably can't say anything now. That's right. Um, we're we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, culture and how does evangelism? Uh, you know, it's it's still relevant. It always will be relevant. Uh, it's it's what uh, it's it's one of our our many jobs that we have. Well, we have about three jobs. Uh, we, uh, we're supposed to, uh, be good stewards of, of what God has created. Uh, and, uh, and, and we are supposed to tell people about the gospel. And, uh, and, and that's what, uh, the Grams have done faithfully, uh, throughout. And so, uh, long legacy of that. Uh, not perfect people. Uh, we, uh, we, we, uh, we know about Franklin, uh, and that's that's Will's dad, right? So, absolutely, and and that's what's so amazing about them. 
because, you know, this is what I want to talk to Will about. I mean, you look at this family and everybody's first initial impressions are going to be, oh, the Grams, they, they're perfect. They're super Christians, right? Uh, and not the case. And I love the fact that certain members in the family that have gone through struggles have really been open and shared those written books. Right. Uh, and that's just such a faith builder because I think oftentimes it's a put off for Christianity that, I mean, I can remember having a client say to me one time, this was a few years ago, she came in and I can't remember even what the issue was. Maybe it was a loss of some kind, but she wrote me a note back and she said, you know, I have anger and I have this and I have that. And I just, I just don't have the kind of faith you do. And I just feel like intimidated by that. And I just huh? feel like I need to see someone else. And that's such a travesty. Right, right. Because that's what the Grams put out. Look, we aren't perfect, right? Right. Uh, and that's what people need to know. You don't have to be perfect to come to Christ. And when you're vulnerable and you share your struggles, it gives other people permission to share theirs too and be real. That's and, a big problem in the church. And it, and it is, um, you know, we have a culture that is uh, steeped with lack of hope uh, and lack of faith. And, uh, you know, when we heard uh, Jim Daly's story, and here he is taking over for this iconic leader like Jim Dobson. And, uh, you know, he's Dr. Dobson. And, and he said it a couple of times. He kept on saying, Dr. Dobson. He says, how am I going to take over for Dr. Dobson? How do you make your futility into utility? Because God's going to use you once you do that. Yeah, and he uses broken people. I mean, the Bible is replete with stories of people who are broken right. or flawed. And I think we just sometimes overlook that. Yes. Um, Rita, we have a special okay. guest on the line. Tell us about Will Graham. Well, I met Will at the Cove when uh, my husband and I went up there to do his uh, weekend teaching on, was it first or second Samuel? I think it was first. And, uh, you know, one of my best friends, uh, her son used to work up there with Will. And so I played that card uh, to get Will to get on the show, and he graciously agreed. So, Will, welcome to Mind Matters. We're so happy to have well, you. Well, I appreciate it. Great to be with you. Okay, so I'm sure you get this all the time. What was it like growing up as a Graham, or what was Billy Graham really like? But I'm curious, how did your grandfather try to impart his faith to you? I mean, yeah, he was Billy Graham. But what was he like as grandpa? Because in your book, Redeemed, and we're going to be talking about that some today, you refer to him as Daddy Bill, and that says a lot. Yeah, that, that was the uh, Daddy Bill's a term that we, as the grandchildren, there's there's 19 of us hmm. uh, grandchildren. Uh, I'm dead. I'm like dead middle uh, age wise. Um, but uh, he was just, I mean, he was my granddad. I saw him as my granddad. I never saw him anything else. I mean, uh, I know he's Billy Graham, but for me, we, he's always Daddy Bill. Uh, um, I know that's not going to be true for everyone as they look at him, but I see him as a granddaddy first and as an evangelist second. Um, but he was, uh, I will say this, he, he's not your average granddaddy in the sense that he didn't come to any of my soccer games. <laughs> I don't think he came to one birthday party and that was late in life. I mean, I'm like, uh, 
like my 30th birthday or something like that he came for and uh he left early because people in the restaurant started asking for autographs and people were coming up and interrupted in our meal all the time so he left so i could have a birthday party if you know what i mean but uh you know, he always thought of others first. Uh, he always asked, if, is there anything he could do and uh, for us? And uh, I, I was one that never wanted. I When I spent time with my granddaddy, it wasn't there. I, I wasn't asking questions. People always think that we talk shop, you know, or how to do a better evangelist, how to make a better message. How do you do We never, ever talked about that stuff. Now, I would give him updates on that stuff, but we never talked shop. Um and, and I mean, like, uh, we just went going there, let's have a meeting and let's talk about your sermon. It was never that. It was just, uh, matter of fact, when I went up there, I just, I hardly did anything except, I mean, we didn't talk. Uh, and I don't mean that bad. He just, we just enjoyed each other's company. So we would watch, I would watch TV with him because he knew everybody on TV. I mean, he was yeah. with everybody. So, you know, we would sit there and watch TV and watch the news together and, have meals together, but you know, we just enjoyed each other's company. I think that's one thing I think he always appreciated about me was that I, I never came asking. So, uh, the guy, the guy's name I was thinking of is Merv Griffin. So it's Merv Griffin. Um, for those who are listening, it was Merv Griffin I'm talking about, but, uh, he and Merv were great friends. And so he was, you know, sad the day that Merv Griffin died. And like many of his friends, uh, when they, when they passed away, he was sad. Uh, did a lot of their funerals. Um, but for me, it was always my granddad, um, not Billy Graham. But well, you were pretty young when you realized, I guess, how important or, for lack of a better word, famous that he was. And I love how in the book you told the story about you were in this large space trying to get to him. I don't know if he was getting ready to speak or what he was doing, but you were stopped by some security and basically told that the line was over there. And then he saw you. And I love this, not just because it showed his heart for you, but how an act like this affects a kid on a beliefs level. He sees you and he spreads his arms out open and he called you to come and meet him. And that's powerful because a kid, as a kid, it says, you're so important to me. You have an immense value and worth. And so I'm just curious, how did moments like that shape you? Well, that was a, I mean, it was a, a huge memory in my life. Um, he, uh, I think he had already finished speaking. And because when we pulled up to the hotel, you know, there, I noticed that there's a line all the way around the building. Hmm. You know, you're talking about 400, 400 yards and uh, couples and uh, husbands and wives. And they were, and I knew what they were doing. They were waiting to meet my granddaddy. I knew that. And so when I went in and, I knew I was going to see him later on. And, uh, and so, and, I, and I'm mindful of other people. I know other people want to meet my granddaddy. I'm not going to try to interrupt, you know, um, you know, that's their time. I know they've been waiting. I just want to give them a hug and say, hi, you know, then leave, you know, in the sense of I'll see you later on type deal, you know? And, uh, and then, so he, and the cop, you know, he's, he saw me trying to come up and I was waiting because they would, they would keep the line about 10 yards away, about 15 yards away so that my granddaddy could have a private conversation for about 10 seconds and a photo in the next couple, you know? And so I didn't want to interrupt that. And mm-hmm. so I did, uh, ask my granddaddy to, uh, I was waiting for the, when one couple was walking off and the other one was walking up, 
I was going to run and give him a hug real quick and then leave. And that cop stopped me. Very nice. Never was mean or anything like that. He said, son, the, the line's over there. I was like, I know that that's the line. I don't want to stay in that line. But he, um, my granddaddy saw me and got down on his knees and, you know, Will opened up his arms and the cop realized, well, can't stop the kid now. Oh, that's so, that's so special. Because but it, it has an impact on me. Yeah. yeah, no, it does, because often children look at their relationship with their earthly fathers or grandfathers as windows into their relationship with God. So was that always the case for you, or did you ever struggle with any pressure from kind of being a gram or doubting God? No, no never had. Uh, well, there's a, I think there's a couple questions in there. One is, uh, um, you know, it, I don't think my seeing my granddaddy like that never I don't I, as a kid I never put the well that's what my heavenly father does I, I believe that regardless of what my granddaddy would if he didn't do it I, I would still believe that so uh, I'm not sure if it had an impact on me spiritually per se like understanding God better but uh, and I understand when people don't I, I mean I do understand it but for me it wasn't that case mm-hmm. um, but for my granddaddy um, you know and, and being up in the grand family, my dad protected us from the name Graham. And the sin, and what do I mean by that is that there was no pressure. Matter of fact, no one on staff was ever allowed to talk to us about ministry. Like, hey, Will, I noticed you're in college. You want to come and speak? Uh, we were off limits. If you spoke to us, fired. <laughs> I mean, it was like, wow, that you know, just that's, they can't control that, but they can control their staff. And, and so dad put bubbles around us where we're, we were protected from that, from being asked, and, you know, being like trying to be forced into it. He wanted to make sure that it was on our own accord, and that's what God was leading us to. So, they're important. So, Dad protected us from that, so that we never had any pressure. Matter of fact, I think I felt like I got more pressure when I was at Liberty University um, from different faculty members, you know, expecting great things or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just an average guy, that's for sure. Well, in the book, you talked about uh, a difficult time for your granddad, kind of a crisis of confidence about his calling, maybe some doubts about God. Can you share about that? Because sometimes I think people, again, look at a family like yours and think, okay, that's great. This is Billy Graham's family. They have to be, you know, superhuman. Uh, they don't have doubts. Well, th- this is uh, my grandfather, 1949. Um, and this was... Uh, but one is you need to realize my grandfather's the oldest child. And so he didn't have an older brother, older sister to bounce things off of. Um, obviously he had a mom and a dad. Um, but someone that he really would confide in was a man named Chuck Templeton. Uh, it's a man that he had preached with in the, in the British Isles right after the war. And, and, they, and that, he was an older brother. He was a mentor. Charles was a well-known uh, Canadian evangelist and incredible speaker, preacher, um, and really became my granddad's best friend. Uh, in 1948, they would split ways. Not on, not anything bad, but they would. One would go off to seminary, uh, and the other one, uh, Charles Templeton, would go off to seminary. And then my granddad would become the youngest college president in history at Northwestern at the age of 30. At the age of 30, he became a college president. Wow! And so, and my granddaddy always wanted to further his education. And so he was a little bit jealous of his friend Chuck, Chuck Templeton, that was getting that extra education. And Chuck would 
Chuck would say, you know, you know, Billy, you, you, your team is old fashioned. This was someone like his mentor, his older brother. When I say mentor, he's a few years older uh, than my grandfather. And so my granddad would listen to him. This was his best friend in life. These are the, they've done ministry together. So he would listen. Anything that bothered Charles brought, bothered uh, my granddaddy, Billy. Anything bothered Billy, bothered Charles. They were best friends. And, um, and then Chuck was saying, Billy, you can't believe in the Bible. It has mistakes in it. It's written by man. It's not written by God. Uh, he had gotten a very liberal education out of Princeton. And Shocker. So, yeah. And my granddad, he couldn't, he's like, ah, I, I don't really, I don't believe that. And if I did, then I don't need to be a preacher, you know, like, then why am I preaching if I believe it? You know, so he was wrestling with this internally. And that came to a head in 1949 in the uh, San Bernardino Mountains in, Cal- in Southern California at a place called Forest Home. Forest mm-hmm. Home is still there to this day. Uh, it's still a Christian camp. And that's where this would take place was at this Christian camp. And the lady who ran it was Henrietta Mears. Now, most people will never know who Henrietta Mears is, but she would have a profound, pre- profound impact on uh, Christianity in the second half of the 20th century. Now, I'll come back to that in a second. But So she was t- pulling my granddad, you know, she said, Billy, you can trust God's word. You can trust God's word. The Bible says, it doesn't say thus Isaiah says. Isaiah says, thus says the Lord. <laughs> Jeremiah says, thus says the Lord. It's this the Lord. It's not man. And so she was pulling my granddad in the one way. And Charles he's pulling him the other, other way. way, yeah. And so it came to a head one night when my granddad just couldn't sleep. It was like a week of insomnia. He couldn't sleep. He was wrestling. He knew whatever decision that he was make was going to change his life. And he just didn't know which way. And so uh, he drew a joke. It's not a line in the sand, but metaphorically, he drew a line in the sand, put his Bible. He did put his Bible in a tree stump and said, God, he said, I don't understand everything in this book. I can't answer my friend's questions, but I believe that this is your book and I accept preach it as your word. Even if I don't understand it, I'm going to preach it as your word. Even if I can't answer those questions, this is your word. And that was his, that's why I say that metaphorically, that was his line in the sand. And his life changed after that. What I mean by that, his preaching changed. It came supernatural, anointed by God. And uh, Henry and Mears would make a comment about it because she didn't know what happened that night. You know, only my granddaddy did, but she would make a comment about the next day. He said, man, Billy's preaching is different. He's on fire for the Lord. <laughs> and so, but, uh, but Henry and Mears would have a profound impact on my grandfather, Billy Graham. And then also a famous couple uh, named Bill and Volnette Bright. She would lead them oh, yeah. to Christ. And Campus Crusade for Christ was born in Wow. Uh, that's where they first lived. So when I say... This lady had, a, you think about Campus Crusade, Bill Bright, Bonnet Bright, and my granddaddy. That's a lot of the Christianity that we saw in the 20th, second half of the 20th century was a, a lot of those two ministries right there. And so incredible lady. Uh, she'll go down in history books with hardly ever a mention, but she would have a profound impact for Christianity in our country. Wow. What you're talking about is legacy. Billy Graham yeah. leaves a monumental legacy of faith to the world. Your dad, you. Well, all of us are going to leave a legacy. So what do you want people to know about that? Because everybody is in a Graham or a Bright or whatever. Like, what what is your heart and the ministry wanting people to know about leaving a legacy for their family? Well, you know, that's a good good question. And here's the thing. I would tell people, never try to be a Billy Graham. Never try to be a Bill Bright. Be yourself. And uh, matter of fact, be someone like Henry Mears. If you're yeah. going to be anybody, like... 
have an impact on other people, and they're going to go out and have an impact. I mean, she think about the multiplication effect through her. There's a lot of people that go down in history with never a mention, Edward Kimball. And that's our spiritual heritage through my granddaddy all the way through to a, a, uh, a Sunday school teacher who had a burden for one student who was a, who was a shoe salesman in Chicago. He had a burden for the shoe salesman. And from D.L. Moody, you can trace that lineage all the way back down to my granddad. And so that's what I'm saying. Here's a here's a man that no one's ever going to know, recognize, but he would he would have a profound impact on this world by one by leading one person to Christ. And I would encourage people. Uh, there's only one thing you can take to heaven with you. You can't take money. You can, your name's going to be doesn't mean nothing when you're in heaven because you got Jesus, the, the name above all other names. Nothing matters up there. And the one thing you can take with you for other people. And so lead people to Christ. That could be your greatest legacy in life because you can you get to take them to heaven with you. That's beautiful, Will. Indeed. What a great ministry and what a great legacy that Billy Graham set forth and how that got passed on to family members all the way down to Will Graham uh, without really being uh, overbearing uh, in in that way. And uh, so it's going to be very, very interesting to hear the next episode, uh, Mind Matters, where we do have Will Graham again, and he, he elaborates on some of his ministry and his book, Redeemed. And that's the interesting thing to me. So what does it mean to be redeemed in this present culture? Forgiveness and redemption are foreign words, yet we can't get to reconciliation without a shot at redemption. So Redeemed is a very, very timely book for our culture. That's also the biggest difference in biblical Christian counseling, as we've been talking about in the last few weeks, and also pop psychology. Forgiveness, reconciliation, acceptance, making amends and evangelism are not in our vocabulary. So, that is why we wind up canceling each other. That's why we want to be counseling culture and not canceling culture. We get mad. And then we move on. Well, next week we'll have more from Will Graham. And we'll also uh, have more from Rita Schulte. Uh, Rita Schulte, licensed counselor. If you want more information, go to RitaSchulte.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-T-E. My Matters is a Crawford original radio program. I'm Richard Beatty, And for Rita Schulte, have a great week. <laughs>